Welcome to the Talking Herd Podcast, episode four, September 28th, 2016. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome back to the Talking Herd Podcast, uh, episode four, recap Marshall, Louisville, uh, 59-28, Cardinals came to Jones C. Edwards Stadium and uh, defeated the herd. At times it was encouraging, at times it was uh, discouraging, especially our offense, uh, I guess kind of to be expected with a true freshman quarterback starting. Uh, against the real, like we discussed last week, Louisville's offense, Lamar Jackson gets all the credit, but Louisville's a really good defensive team. We kind of came in and didn't get the ball moving, but uh, we did get after Louisville and Lamar Jackson more so than anybody uh, that I've seen. So as discouraging as our defense was against Akron to bounce back with the way we did, the way we started against Louisville was really encouraging to me. Um, felt the same way. I was a little bit... Um... Uh, of course, this is a, a, a whole lot of an unknowable, but um, whether Louisville went a little bit vanilla with us in, to hide maybe some things from Clemson looking down the road, may, could that have been at least part of the reason why we were more effective? It's possible. I think our effort was 50,000 times better than it was against Akron. Uh, Akron, um, we didn't seem to have a lot of enthusiasm there. Louisville, that atmosphere, which, by the way, one of the best atmospheres we've had there. And the strikeout, or other than some red scattered in, a little maybe too much on the east side. Yeah, the, the only bone I would pick with the strikeout is on the west side. I think they need to combine a couple of those sections to make them, yeah, to make them fatter yeah. to kind of match the, the, the east side. Um, but throughout the stadium, it, it, I think it went off really well. Uh, I think probably you and I both along with a lot of Marshall fans were skeptical that we could pull it off because we seem to have a hard time coordinating that stuff but um, credit to the fans uh, credit to the folks that sponsored the t-shirts that were available in case people forgot about the the white uh, the striping in certain sections came off really well the atmosphere was fun that that night game atmosphere that's hard to beat it to Joan. I, I think it's one of the reasons why you fall in love with Marshall football, that nighttime kickoff. I know as a kid, I remember growing up in the early years of the Joan Fairfield. I was under 10 years old, so I have less memories of that. And it was always – the memories are either the nighttime games in the regular season or the freezing cold noon games in the Wonderful Eight playoffs. And those night games are just so fun. Uh, 40,592, second largest in stadium history. And it was – for the first quarter, the crowd was in the game. The atmosphere, like you said, was unbelievable. It was just awesome to be around and awesome. And, the, it, would and be great. it would be I understand our fan base is probably that 25,000, 26,000. That's what we're going to draw. Anything more is an added bonus. But it just goes to show you how wonderful of a place, even more so, it could be if we could get that 40,000 crowd or even a 35 on a regular basis. It's just so loud when that place gets rocking. Even with 25, you add another 15,000. And uh, it seemed at times that Jackson was struggling with some communications. He was rattled a little bit, uh, not necessarily throwing off his game. But when the crowd was in it, you could tell that Louisville was a little bit off their game. I think the way the the stadium is designed, it's deceptive to almost everybody that comes in as an opponent. They look at it and, you know, the the bleachers aren't as tall as most of the other places that, that they've played before. 
and they don't realize that it's down a little bit into a valley. There's a little bit of a, a sound trap, especially with the north end zone with the Shuey building. And I, I don't think they appreciate that until you pack in about 35,000 people and you get that noise level coming up. Uh, I think it throws guys. I think Jackson was thrown by that a little bit. I think it communication was a little bit hard in the first quarter. Uh, the fact that our defense kind of kept us in the game and it was, you know, what was it, a seven-point game uh, well in uh, late into the first quarter, at the very least, into the second. Um, you, you, when, when you're an underdog the way we were, I mean, we came in as a 28 to 31-point dog, you're looking to win one quarter at a time. And getting through that first quarter being down only a touchdown, we did something no other team's done this year. We stopped them from scoring on their first drive. They were the only team in the nation that scored on their first drive of each half. So being able to do that, I think, pumps some enthusiasm in, into the place. Uh, the flip side is offensively, starting a true freshman, um, not much experience to speak of. Um, we struggled. Uh, we didn't have too many answers for Louisville's defense for most of the first half and I think good parts of the second half. They had 11 guys around the line of scrimmage. Uh, they were not respecting the pass very much. We didn't give them too much of a reason to respect the pass. We didn't take advantage of any opportunities to kind of get our tight ends involved, which I, I thought was a missed opportunity. Yeah, hitting on that, it was only a 14 nothing game deep into the second quarter. But if you look at our offensive drive chart, three plays, four yards, three plays minus five, three for nine, five for 14, and six for 20. We just couldn't get going offensively. Our defense, like you said, kept us in a position where we're only down 14 to nothing to one of the best offensive teams in the country, the number three team in the nation. And that last one was one that really uh, stuck with me. Like I said, six plays, 20 yards, but we had the ball down 14 nothing on the Louisville 35 and we punted. I feel like uh, Louisville's not a team you play field possession against. They're the number three team in the country. You've got to take your chances when you can to score against them, When especially when you're a 28-point underdog at home. Uh, that's probably a fairly universal sentiment across herd fandom. Why did we punt down 14 at their 35? Why not go ahead and take the risk? The chances of beating Louisville anyway were slim getting that deep into their territory and get maybe getting a chance to get at least some points on the board and not taking that opportunity and trying to play field position it's it wasn't surprising but it was disappointing and it's not surprising because most of us have come to understand doc is a very by the book kind of a coach he's very conventional uh, he's not going to stray too far from statistical odds favoring him odds tell you in that circumstance in every game you punt except this isn't every game you've got louisville you've got a number three team that you're a big dog to sometimes i think you gotta you gotta roll the dice a little a little bit but be that as it may it certainly didn't cost us the game yeah you mentioned our offensive uh, struggles like garrett finished 9 of 21 for 59 yards I'm not sure the last time we threw for under 100 yards in a game as a team. I, and it wasn't all his fault. He definitely did struggle at times, but there were several drop passes. I know McManus dropped a sure first down. Michael Clark dropped one over uh, on our sideline. Uh, not 
Sure, we protected him well enough. I think the offense line did do better than they did against Akron, but still they have some room to go. Uh, just a totally disappointing performance. And I know he's a true freshman, but I still feel like the coaches maybe could have done a better job of putting him in a position to have more success. It, it felt like there were handcuffs on him. Um, to me, and, and you know, these guys know more about coaching than I do, so they can take they can take this with a grain of salt. But if you've got a kid that you've given a college scholarship to, I think you've got to have at least some expectation that the kid can play the position, especially if he played in an offense that I heard on the radio last week. He played in an offense almost identical to Marshall's. So he understands at least better than his own competition internally what the offense is supposed to look like. Why didn't we see a little bit more? Now, I'm not talking about hyper-aggressiveness, but at least a little bit of aggressiveness out of that quarterback position. you got to figure he's a competitor. He wants to. They put some restraints on him. That was a, a, a disappointment to me. On the other hand, I was really surprised that we were able to find holes to run. Um, I was expecting them to completely sell out, which they I think they did. Uh, I, I expected Louisville's defense to sell out on the run and pretty much gob up everything, and I didn't expect us to be able to run, but Pittman had several good long runs. Keon Davis looked really good at times, especially on his return. He made a really interesting open field move and broke one for, what was it, about a 45 or 50-yard return. I was surprised by some of that. Yeah, I, I was surprised about the running game. Uh, I felt Louisville's defense line would have um, helped them stop that. But, I mean, looking at the stats, uh, Pittman averaged over seven yards a carry. Uh, Anthony Anderson, 4.6. Hyland, 4.2. Now, those are some impressive stats considering we weren't a threat to throw the ball at all uh, against that Louisville defense with uh, true freshman quarterback starting. And going back to the handcuffs, uh, Louisville game again. It's a game where you're on. You're likely not going to win. You're a 28 point underdog. I don't understand the reason for the handcuffs in that game. It's not a game that we were going to win seven to three or hold them. Well, just throw it all out there. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, the same thing was likely going to happen if you limited what the quarterback was able to do as far as throwing the ball. Uh, seemed like two, three passes downfield that he deceived, and the rest of the it seemed like outs. Uh, or comebacks along the sideline that he threw really didn't let him do much and kind of took us out of our game because uh, our strength in our passing game uh, receivers other than touchdown uh, to Juracek it doesn't seem like we threw to the tight ends a lot maybe I missed that but I feel like our tight ends are strength in our passing game and they completely disappeared with that game plan other than one pass to Juracek yeah I definitely agree um, I would have liked to have seen the tight ends involved a little bit more, but you probably got to expect that Louisville's expecting that. With an inexperienced quarterback, you, you wouldn't expect him to take chances on the outside. You would expect that his chances would be controlled in the middle of the field with tight ends. So uh, I'm sure they were uh, prepped for that, regardless if they were going to see Litton or Morrell. Um, uh, getting the surprise that Morrell was going to start over Lit and probably didn't change too much of their preparation. They probably looked at it as we're going to do what we're going to do, regardless of who's you know behind the center. Seems to be how our offensive philosophy is. 
we're going to do what we're going to do. We don't scheme against the other defense uh, very often, at least that I've ever noticed. We seem to run the same basic plays. Um, imagination not necessarily there. Against lesser competition, we usually exploit it. Against equal competition, we're always in a game. Against better competition, kind of get what you get on Saturday. A um, little bit of a frustration, I think, for a lot of hard fans. But um, interesting game. Um, I think you can tell what the ACC has done for Louisville's football profile. Um, that's a program that even six or eight years ago was probably a peer of Marshall. And now you look at them and there's – we're not peers in, in any sense of the word. The, the monetary difference is huge. Athletically, their tight end was faster than any of our defensive backs. He ran away from our defensive backs. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and the discussion with Buck Miles getting fired at LSU, not to veer too far from Louisville, that Petrino would be a candidate there. With their money, their resources, what he's been able to recruit there now, he's in a Power 5 conference that's not quite as hard as SEC year. And I don't know why he would be – interested in LSU other than he obviously has a massive ego, which was the reason he jumped Arkansas into Falcons and all these other places. But he's been paid almost as much as Les Miles was being paid at LSU to be in a Power 5 conference where he's got Papa John and how many, however many more millionaires, a nice stadium, awesome facilities, he's building something there. He's going to have Lamar Jackson for two more years. I just don't see why he would jump. But again, like I said, he does have that ego. Uh, he didn't like it when we cut 52 to 21 after Trey Tyler's touchdown. So he put his starters back in. Uh, I know if I was a Louisville fan and he would have put Lamar Jackson back in at that point, I would have been a bit upset. Uh, their, their game this week against Clemson basically decides the ACC in a lot of people's minds. Uh, even if he wasn't seriously injured, but slightly got his bell rung and had to miss this game and they lost to Clemson. I mean, that's largely their season. And that game was out of hand. It was under 10 minutes ago, and they were up three scores, and we can't move the ball. We had 59 yards passing. If I was a little Louisville fan, I would have been pretty upset with that. There's, there's certainly the perception that him putting Jackson and at least several of the first-teamers back in after the score, um, perception-wise, that comes across as he was upset that we closed the score. I guess the, the flip side of that could have been he was more upset with his own team and wanted to make a point to his number two. We're not going to know that. And we're certainly not going to give Petrino the benefit of the doubt because, quite frankly, as good a coach as he is, the flip side is he seems to be about as awful of a person uh, that you know you, you don't really want to be around him. I don't know that if I had a son, I'd want my son playing for him. Be that as it may... Let's talk a little bit about this perception of, because uh, I asked several people after looking at some of uh, the threads on several message boards, what game did you attend that you saw Marshall players being thugs towards Louisville players? I saw that as a theme, especially from Louisville fans posting on herd message boards, and I'm usually pretty quick to make judgments on our players when they get out of control. Um, that's one good thing under uh, under Doc. We haven't seen that on the field very much. We haven't seen our guys get out of control, 
aside from the Western Kentucky pregame. We haven't seen him get out of control, and we typically don't see cheap shotting, at least in you know, a traditional sense. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary Saturday night that would have made me as a Herd fan be embarrassed at the way our players played. Has Louisville become, has the Louisville fan base become that soft in bumping up into the ACC? I think it's more of a younger and newer fan base. A lot of basketball history, not a lot of football success history. That a lot of people are jumping on that bandwagon. That uh, really don't. They haven't followed Louisville very long. Haven't followed Katrina very long. Uh, I know I sit about the fifty yard line, nine rows up on the visit team sideline. Uh, sat there off and on. Been on the field for over twenty years now, and I'm not sure I've seen a team talk as much trash the entire time as Louisville did. I know there was a. Uh, Late touchdown we scored where we kicked off from the 50-yard line, media timeout, and Curry's out there ready to kick off. And Devontae Peake from Louisville, who had talked trash the entire game, played special teams, for some reason started yelling and talking trash to Curry, who responded. I don't even know like, why, who talks trash to the kicker guy. Yeah. Like, I get it. it. But like I said, you said, I – think we maybe responded a little more than I would like to, but they, that's a typical Petrino team. I think that people uh, stereotype, they seem to get involved in extracurriculars. When you, it's like, okay, you're up 52 to seven. Like, what are you trying to prove at that point? What's the purpose of that? Petrino teams always seem to have a bit of an edge to them. And, and to his credit, that, that works in football, but there's always a line that, that needs to be uh, towed when it comes to that edginess. You don't want to get out of control with it. It'll be interesting to see if Louisville gets in kind of a, um, a pressure cooker later on, maybe this weekend with Clemson, if that doesn't manifest itself in ways that uh, is detrimental to a team. Um, we've seen that happen before um, over the years. I mean, we've all watched enough sports to where guys that play with that kind of chippiness, Sometimes they get carried away. And if you've got a, a handful of guys on your team that, that play like that, that can get out of control pretty quickly and, and snowball. So it'll be interesting to see um, how Louisville handles this going forward. I can't, I can't say that I'm on board with rooting for Louisville the rest of the year. I, I didn't really care for um, the way their team came in. Most of the fans around us seem you know, pretty okay. Um, uh, maybe not as knowledgeable as, as some of our own fans, but um, that's probably what you were talking about in terms of bandwagoners. They, they're, they're new to the program, so uh, we'll cut them some slack on that. But uh, it'll be interesting to watch them, see how they uh, mature towards the end of the year. One last note on Louisville before jumping the pit. I know the line actually closed at 31, and the margin of victory is 31, which – Goes back to what we've talked about before. We talked about when the line came out. So look, Vegas knows what they're talking about. When you see a line that's too good to be true, it usually is. Uh, a couple things go different, and that's a 24-point game where that line opened, and people laughed and thought, there's no way Marshall keeps it within 24. Uh, I know Alabama, Kent State, uh, I think the final on that one was 48 nothing, and the line was 44, and over-under was 50, which is – a tight window to almost hit both, and Vegas hit almost both. Uh, it, it's just interesting to me. Like I, we talked about last week, that line was interesting. I, I kind of expected a 49-28 game. I was uh, 
fairly close. I didn't realize our offense was going to struggle as much as it did. Uh, Ty Tyler with his second touchdown. Uh, freshman defense man's on pace for, what, 16 career touchdowns. He's got two in three games. <laughs> He's uh, chasing Jonathan Goddard's 2003 and 2004 years, I think. But again, a beautiful day in Huntington. Great crowd, great atmosphere. Like to see that repeated uh, consistently. It's, that's we've talked about it a little bit before. We we don't know what the cracking that code is. Um, other than you know, number three team comes to town. That certainly gets gets the people out. I, I wanted to make mention. I think I overestimated the number of Louisville fans coming into the game. I, I honestly thought, based on how the ticket sales went. I was expecting about six thousand Louisville fans. I don't think there were that many. I think it was closer to four, three or four thousand. And, and the difference <clears throat> in the four thousand to six thousand end zone seats were pretty much green for the most part. Yep. Uh, Louisville fans filled their section, top of the section next to it, and uh, kind of filled in. Uh, what is it, one thirteen? I guess going that way. Uh, a little bit. Section on the east side. There was yep. a good bit of red in there, but it, yeah, it was. A little probably less than you expect. I expect, but it's still a good turnout by them. But a great turnout by herd fans. And and I, that's why I mentioned it. I was I was expecting based on especially how we come off the Akron loss. Uh, herd fans typically don't bounce back that quickly from losses, but they responded to the number three team. We we seem to get about thirty four or thirty five of our own fans in there. I hope. I hope that they can continue to find their way back to the stadium the rest of the Hopefully season. Hopefully they'll be back in uh, three weeks, homecoming, another night game. You can tailgate all day, have fun all day, a 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, but hopully it turn out. Hopefully a weather cooperates. That always helps too. Homecoming crowds, usually a good crowd. Usually so over 30. We'll see another 30-ish plus crowd. Yep. Uh, but this week, her goes to Pittsburgh to face the Pitt Panthers. 7.30 kickoff on Root Sports and ESPN3. The line right now is uh, Pitt's favored by 16. Uh, I think that came out yesterday after Doc's press conference where he said Chase will play. Uh, the bookmakers were kind of holding off until then. Pitt defense is a little bit suspect. They're looking at the stats, they've given up a lot of points. They lost this week. Uh, North Carolina gave up 36, 37 points. Uh, gave up 39 to Penn State, uh, 45 to Oklahoma State. They have the 115th, uh, 127th ranked passing yards allowed defense in the nation out of 128 teams. So uh, hopefully Chase is healthy, really ready to go, because I think that's where we can exploit uh, the pit defense and get a lot of points, because uh, as bad as their defense may have been, their offense seems to be rolling, which is not necessarily what you expect out of a Narduzzi team. Uh, they seem to be scoring a lot of points. Uh, but they are doing it running the ball instead of passing ball. And they're only averaging 160 yards passing through the air, which I think kind of plays in our favor. Our weakness up to this point has been our secondary. Uh, our front seven has been kind of a strength. It'll be an interesting matchup. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Heater uh, schemes for this week because when you see 100, averaging 160 yards per game passing, you would expect, well, we're going to try to – you know, force them into passing. Um, well, maybe we do, maybe we don't. Maybe we um, actually try to um, try to uh, bear down on Connor because you know he's turned into a, a very interesting story. I mean, he came back from cancer and he seems to be as fast, if not faster, than he was before he got sick, before the diagnosis. 
it's definitely a feel-good story. It's definitely an inspiration to his teammates. Do, do we try to clamp him down, force them into throwing, or do we play our normal game, just try to you know play base defense and, and react to what they're doing? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how Heater dials that up. Uh, all along, I've had a good feeling about this game. Their win over Villanova to start the season was less than impressive. That kind of encouraged that good feeling I've had. Our loss to Akron kind of took away from that good feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we discussed with Lowell, the yardage, the stats, uh, definitely make our defense look not quite as good as I think it played. I think the defense did make an improvement from Akron. Hopefully we take that next step. Uh, quarterback's not as dynamic. Uh, you mentioned Connor. Uh, that's definitely their strength. And like you said, I'm kind of curious to see if we kind of look to stop that on first and put them in passing situations, knowing that their passing game is kind of in question right now. Or if you let Connor run, he's going to do his thing. You realize that and kind of go with that bend, but don't break. We're going to give up yards to him. We realize that he's extremely talented. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to go up there, hopefully, and uh, watch that game. But again, like we discussed last week, I believe, on the podcast, this game really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I hope Chase is 100% healthy. I hope we're not risking him for a game. I mean, the North Texas game next week, even though they're not near as quality opponent, is definitely the more important game than this week going up to Pittsburgh. And it's a road game in Texas. Road games in Texas have been a bit of a thorn in our side. I think it wasn't, it wasn't until the last two years that we actually won in Texas. So... Um, that uh, the, the the pessimist and the realist in me always fears those Texas road games. I don't care who the opponent is. Going into a, a place that um, has the same color scheme that we do, essentially the same color scheme, that'll be a little bit of a, a different feel probably for the team, maybe something they'll have to get used to. North Texas hasn't, hasn't had much success recently, so uh, who knows what they'll what they'll be able to draw in in their relatively new stadium. Uh, hopefully it's not a lot, and hopefully we can come out of there with a victory. But um, would like to see would like to see the herd start uh, building over the next two weeks. Make some progress at Pitt. Maybe pull off a road win. That would be um, you know uh, really a, I think a bonus at this point, given where where we think we're at. I still, I'm not sure that we actually know too much about our team just right now. Um, then get into conference play and uh, start picking off the teams that we need to pick off and keeping our sights set on, you know, kind of the big three. You know, we got Western Kentucky and Middle and USM, and two of those three are at home. So um, we, we, as they like to say, and, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, focusing on things like this after you take some some thumpings, but we still have some goals ahead of us that we can achieve. Um, uh, certainly would be uh, um, a step in the right direction given how we kind of finished last year. If we can you know, win the East and put ourselves in the conference championship game again, give ourselves a chance to win that conference title, that would be a big improvement. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, a little bit abbreviated podcast, but don't worry. We're actually going to give you more this week. We'll have a podcast extra probably Friday morning with a special guest. Uh, make sure you check that out. Definitely worth listening to. For more information, you can check us out on Twitter at The Talking Herd. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes uh, by going into iTunes and searching podcasts for The Talking Herd 
Or you can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash the talking nerd. Thanks everybody.